This past spring, Joe Heschmeyer, a friend of mine, Catholic author and, and speaker, he published a book entitled, Who Am I, Lord? Finding Your Identity in Christ. It's a great book. I really liked it because it does tackle this uh, most fundamental of questions. Who am I? What is my identity? You know, the truth is we all hunger for an authentic identity, a true identity, an essential identity. But as fallen creatures, we can feed that hunger in all kinds of superficial and in confused ways, especially in our society. Now, that's a problem because our actions, our behavior, flows from and follows out of our identity. You know, we, we see all kinds of examples in our world today of people who um, feed that hunger for an authentic identity in superficial or confused ways. Um, you know, probably one of the more obvious phenomenon is identity politics, right? This sort of political tribalism where politics becomes less about the good of the body politic, the good of the nation, but um, my group and uh, the interests of my group uh, becomes a power struggle of sorts. Many political scientists have noted that identity politics has been largely responsible for further dividing and polarizing our nation. But this is far from the only example. Um, you know, think of people whose main identity is their sports fandom or their job title, their achievements, um, the number in their bank account, those who think their essential identity is their sexual orientation or their popularity on social media. What is harmful with trying to find our essential identity with all of the above and others is that action follows how we behave then follows from a confused or superficial identity. We can't know how to act until we really know who we are. So let's take a good hard look at the question of identity. Who am I? Who are you? That question is actually posed to St. John the Baptist in our gospel today. And I would venture to say that our gospel and our, our readings in general, they point us in the direction of the absolute and objective answer, uh, the absolute and objective truth about our identity. Let's take a look at the gospel. Early in the gospel, we encounter the, the question, who are you? Asked by priests and Levites sent from Jerusalem to find out the identity of John the Baptist. And how does John answer? Well, he intuitively understands these priests and Levites are really asking about the Messiah, if he is the Messiah. And so he says, I am not the Christ. But still, the priests and Levites, uh, they need more than that. So they say, are you Elijah? And John answers, no, he's not Elijah. He's not Elijah physically returned from heaven. But as Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Luke, he did come in the power and spirit of Elijah to prepare the way. Then he must be the great prophet, the prophet foretold by Moses, who would be like a new Moses and, and give, the, uh, give the fullness of the law. No, John says. At last, we can imagine the exasperated priests throwing up their hands as they finally say, well, then what? who are you? What are you? John says, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. He quotes Isaiah there. What do we see in John's answer? Well, we see a few things. First, he knows who he's not. All right, He's not the Christ. Now, you might say, okay, 
That's obvious. Yeah, but let's remember the context. John is out in the Judean desert by the River Jordan. This is a very harsh climate. He's living an incredibly aesthetical life. We talked about that last week. Camel hair, feeds on locusts and honey. And people, nonetheless, are coming to him in droves throughout the Judean countryside in Jerusalem. They come to listen to John preach and to be baptized in the Jordan. I think what I'm getting at is this, that it's very tempting in that situation to say, this is all about me. This is because of me. They're coming to see me. But because John knew and lived his true identity, he was able to reject this temptation to a false identity, to falsely ascribe to himself what is ascribed to God. But what we ultimately see with John, what we ultimately see with John is that he answers the question, who are you, according to his relationship to Christ? He is not the Christ, but he is the forerunner, the precursor. He's not the bridegroom, but he is the bridegroom's best man, and he's here to prepare a people for him. John the Baptist, he, he knows and is secure in his identity as uh, his identity in God, and, and we need to do the same. We need to know our identity in Christ so that we can then act according. So, what is it? I mean, if I'm going to boil it down, what is our identity? Well, we, we are all created in the image and likeness of God. Every human being is. However, over and above that great reality, in virtue of our baptism, we are his adopted children. When we are baptized, something tremendous and wonderful happens. We become the adopted sons and daughters of God and the inheritors of heaven. God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, comes to dwell in us. And we are incorporated into the mystical body of Christ and a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're incorporated into the mystical body of Christ. What does this mean? This means that we are as united to Jesus as a head is to its body. That's how profound is our communion with our Lord in virtue of this great sacrament. At baptism, God has clothed us in a robe of salvation, as we hear from Isaiah in our first reading. Really, this is a, this is a wonderful reality. This is our identity. And only when we've come to accept it, not just intellectually, but with our whole being, will we be able to resist the false identities the world throws our way. You know, we could rehash all those identities, right? Uh, success, politics, um, you know, the on and on. But I would say the most pernicious identity uh, that we need to reject is, is this. We are not identified by our sin. Yes, we are sinners. That's, um, I suppose, in a sense, a part of our identity. But the particular sins we may have fallen into, they do not define us. Because we can't commit uh, a sin that will wipe away the truth that we are the adopted sons and daughters of God. We can commit a mortal sin which would sever the life of grace within us. But at baptism, our soul is indelibly marked. Uh, we are claimed forever as belonging to Christ. And sin can't wash that away. 
You know, we might be living, you know, a baptized Christian might be living a terrible life, but that doesn't change the fact that they are the adopted son or daughter of God. They're just in that moment living like the prodigal son, and we pray that they return. And this is what's so great about confession is because our sins are wiped away, and it shows us that we are not defined by our mistakes, by our lowest moments, by our sins. We are defined by uh, being adopted sons and daughters of God. And so we ought to act accordingly. We ought to live as sons and daughters of God. And really, part of this is, is we need to have, a big part of it is we need to have a childlike trust that God is our Father who loves us and cares for us. That's childlike trust I know is hard. We live in a cynical in weary world. However, God gives us every grace and assistance to help us live our identity as sons and daughters of God. And perhaps no help or gift is greater than the Blessed Mother, who is given to be our spiritual mother, to help us to learn uh, to accept and live this identity as an adopted son or daughter of God. You know, yesterday we celebrated the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And, uh, you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patroness of all the Americas. I know in Mexico they have, a, rightly so, a, a very special devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe because that's where the apparitions happened. But she is patroness of all of North and South America. And I want to share these words um, of hers that she spoke in one of the apparitions to Juan Diego. This was at a time when Juan Diego was particularly anxious and afraid. Uh, his uncle was dying, and he was looking for a priest to help, uh, help him to come back and hear his confession and give him last rites. Here's what Our Lady said. Hear and let it penetrate into your heart, my dear little son. Let nothing disturb you. Am I not here, who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not? your fountain of life? Are you not in the folds of my mantle, in the crossing of my arms? Is there anything else that you need? Do not fear any illness, anxiety, or pain. Those are beautiful words. But what might be a more beautiful thought still is those words that Our Lady spoke to Juan Diego. They can be said of us because we too are... uh, virtue of our baptism, a part of her son's mystical body, the church. We are the adopted sons and daughters of God. So let us live our true and foundational and most authentic identity as sons and daughters of God. Let us seek to act accordingly, to reject the false false identities that the world throws our way, And to cultivate with Our Lady, by devotion to Our Lady, that childlike trust that God is our Father who loves us and we do not need to be afraid.